Daniel 7 and verse number 15. The Bible says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. The great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces." And the ten horns out of his kingdom are the ten kings that shall arise. And another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit. And they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of his kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve, uh, shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence once again tonight, Lord, we want to thank you for the good singing and the testifying that we've heard today. Our hearts have been encouraged, and I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, God, to give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray that you'll touch us and fill us afresh and anew for the glory of God. These next few moments, help us, Lord, not to lift up ourselves. I pray that we'd not see flesh. But, oh God, I pray you'd hide us behind the shadows of the cross. And, dear God, may we see no man save Jesus only. And we'll Thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to these verses that we have read tonight, concluding the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. You know that Daniel in chapter number seven is 85 years old now. And God is showing Daniel some things as an older man that he would not show him as a young man. And you know God uh, uh, uses time in our life. I think about the old song that says, Time has made a change in me. And certainly time does make a change in all of us. Daniel's life has changed. He has been in Babylon. He has been faithful to God. He has not dipped his colors one bit, but he has stayed true to God in a heathen society and in a heathen time of captivity. And so Daniel sees this vision, and this vision here is in correlation or parallel with the very image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in chapter number 2. But God is revealing things to this Jew that he would not reveal to a heathen king. I want to just stop and say this. uh, God 
God will always tell his people what he will not tell the world. Amen. And so as Daniel is seeing this vision here, as we come to chapter or to verse number 15, the Bible says that Daniel was grieved in his spirit. And I want you to note tonight here in verse number 15 and verse number 16 here uh, that Daniel has a great burden on his heart in this passage. It does not leave him. In fact, the last verse, verse number 28, we find that Daniel's heart is just as troubled in verse number 28 as what it was in verse number 15. Now, chapter 7 has to do uh, uh, with the uh, uh, importance and the inter- and the interpretation of this vision as well uh, as the instruction of it. But in these verses tonight, I want you to note three things about Daniel. I want you to see, first of all, in verse number 15 and 16, uh, Daniel's puzzled request. Uh, Daniel is very puzzled, and he makes a request. He said, I was grieved in my spirit and in my bo- in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. Note that this vision touched every part of Daniel. It touched his spirit, it touched his soul, and it touched his body. Brother, what God shows him, uh, uh, listen, shook the very foundation of this godly man. And so Daniel is in distress, and he's, re- he's he has very puzzled. In verse number 16, he makes a request. Uh, he says, I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation thereof. Now when we think about Daniel's puzzled request tonight, he is standing by an angel and he comes near to that angel and he says to him, uh, he said, I want you to tell me of the interpretation of these four beasts uh, that I have seen. Now it's amazing as Daniel stood by that angel that he did not ask who he was. Uh, He did not ask what his rank was. Uh, He didn't ask what his mission was about. Daniel is so troubled by what he has seen in the early verses uh, concerning this vision here of these four beasts uh, that are coming up out of the sea that he says, I just simply want to know what the interpretation is. Uh, And so the Bible says in verse number 16 that the angel told him. And now in verse 17 on down through verse number 27 we'll look tonight at Daniel's prophetic review. Amen. We see his puzzled request uh, uh, but for the main part of this message tonight I want us to look at Daniel's prophetic review because what this angel is about to do he's about to give Daniel specific detail of what's going to happen in the last days uh, not only concerning his people but also concerning those nations that are around him. Now you may be here tonight and say preacher what in the world does Daniel's vision have to do with us tonight in 2018? Well here's what I want to say tonight. Everything that Daniel sees in chapter 7 my friend though it will take place after the rapture of the church uh, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say tonight. Uh, Everything that he sees in chapter 7 that will take place after the rapture you're going to see my friend already a thread of it running through our society and the world that we're living in tonight. And so that simply tells us uh, that what Daniel saw in chapter number 7 you and I are standing on the threshold of tonight in 2018. And my friend Jesus is about to come uh, and if I wasn't saved I'd get saved tonight. If I wasn't right with God I'd get right with God tonight. If I was going to do something for God I'd start doing it tonight because the trumpet may sound at any moment. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. And so Daniel begins to get this 
a prophetic review. The Bible says in verse 17, these great beasts, uh, which are the four, are four kings uh, which shall arise out of the earth. Now, we know that those four passing kingdoms, uh, that first beast, beast, my friend, was a lion, uh, and it represents Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. That second beast was a bear, and it represents Darius uh, and Medo-Persia. That third beast was a leopard, and it represents Alexander the Great and Greece. Uh, the fourth, my friend, was diverse from all other beasts, uh, having four head, uh, and it's in correlation to Revelation chapter 13, another beast, uh, the same beast coming up out of the sea there, uh, and it is a picture of Caesar and of Rome. Amen. What's interesting is that when Daniel sees these beasts, uh, he sees the lion, he sees the bear, he sees the leopard, and he sees this beast with four heads. Uh, but when John records those beasts, uh, he records them in a, in, uh, from, from the last beast all the way to the lion being, being the very last. Uh, you say, preacher, why is that? It's simply because when Daniel is looking at it, he's standing on this side of prophecy, and he is looking at it from Nebuchadnezzar's view, and he's watching it before it comes to pass. But when John wrote about it, friend, he talked about a revised Roman Empire that is going to come to pass, uh, and John is standing on this side of prophecy, and he's looking at what has already happened and what has already taken place. Uh, I want to tell you, friend, when John sees it, the church is gone. Uh, you and I are gone. Uh, thank God we've been to the judgment seat, uh, and we're soon coming back. Amen. Uh, and friend, I wish he would come tonight. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be wonderful if Jesus came right now? And so John, or so Daniel sees these four beasts here. He sees these passing kingdoms. He sees the rise and the fall of them. In verse 18, there is the saints of the Most High. That is mentioned four times in this chapter here from verse number 18 all the way down to verse 27. And my friend, the saints of the Most High is not the church, but it is the Jews. Amen. Remember, Daniel is dealing with his people. He is dealing with the nation of Israel. He's dealing with the Jews and so he's seeing a vision not about the church age but he's seeing beyond that into the tribulation period here and he's seeing what the nation of Israel is about to face and what they're about to go through now you may be here tonight and say why is his spirit so troubled I want to tell you why because Daniel is 85 years old he's been in captivity now for a number of years the captivity of Babylon was 70 years. He knows that there's going to be three other kingdoms that's going to come. There's going to be three more world powers before there'll ever be a fifth kingdom. So Daniel knows that for his people, it means that there's more captivity to come. In a time when he was looking for a way out, in a time when he was expecting something to happen, maybe revival amongst his people and for them to go out of captivity, he now realizes that that's not going to happen at this point in time, uh, that they have much more of a future living in captivity. You know, there are Jews living in captivity even right now, some by choice and some not by choice. Uh, but my friend, even though Israel is a nation, we still see that taking place today. There'll never be world peace uh, and there'll 
never be peace in Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace gets here. Amen? That's the fifth kingdom that we see in verse number 19. He said, the, or verse number 18. He said, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and shall possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, talking about the Roman Empire, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamp the residue with his feet. Now, notice verse number 20. The Bible says, and of the ten horns that were in his head and of the others which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, uh, whose look was more stout uh, than his fellows. Uh, he said, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints uh, and prevailed against them. Friend, when we come to verse number 21, we're now at the middle of the tribulation period. What he sees in this fourth beast that is rising up here, he sees the revised Roman Empire. He sees those ten kings of that European Federation. He sees that little horn, which is the Antichrist. He sees the saints of the Most High, which is the Jews. And he tells us what's going to take place. You know, the Antichrist has several names tonight. If you look in the Word of God in Isaiah 14 and verse number 25 is called the Assyrian. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 29 he is called the prince that shall come. In 2 Thessalonians in 2 and verse number 3 he's called the man of sin. In Daniel 8 and verse 23 he's called a king of a fierce countenance. In Daniel 11 and verse 21 he is called a vile person. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 8 he is called that wicked. In Revelation 13 and verse 8, he's called a beast. In Daniel 11 and verse 36, he is called a willful king. And then, my friend, all throughout the scriptures, he has given other titles that we'll not mention tonight. Now, here's what I want to say. If God would go to such great length to give one man so many titles to let us see who he really is, then you know he plays a very important role in Bible prophecy in the last days. And Daniel sees this. And this angel begins to interpret these ten kings, this little horn, these three horns that are about to be taken away, the saints of the Most High and the Ancient of Days. When you begin to piece all those uh, pieces together, you remember, as it was said earlier, that Daniel is the ABCs of the, of the, of, of prophecy and revelation is the XYZ. Amen. If you're standing on Daniel's side, there's a lot of things that doesn't make sense. Amen. But if you can get over on John's side and get over there in revelation and stand where John's are standing and you can look back through history and you can look back through time and you can look back through the scriptures, everything begins to unfold. Everything begins to come together and you begin to realize that God makes no mistakes, uh, that he sees all, that he knows all, that he's in control of all tonight, uh, and that God will have his way in the end, friend. You say, preacher, what's going to happen? When you think about in 2018 tonight, that little horn's the Antichrist. Those other ten horns represent ten kings and kingdoms of the European Federation. Do you know tonight that the common, the European common market has one weakness tonight? They have already put together 
Listen, they already got the, the euro dollar. They've already got a, a one world government system that has been put in place. Uh, they already have formed a one world religion. I mean, everything, the stage has been set. But there is one weakness tonight of the European common market. You know what that is? They're not willing to surrender total sovereignty and total authority to each other and come together such as the United States. They're not willing to just let go of that authority. They won't let go of that sovereignty. But the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, guess what he's going to do? He's going to speak great swelling words. Uh, he's going to have words. He's going to be more stout in his eyes than those fellows. Uh, and he's going to be a man of great intellectual power. He's going to be a man of great political power. This man's going to be a, he's going to be an intellectual and a military genius, uh, an economical genius that's going to be able able to pull everybody and everything together and set the stage. Uh, amongst those ten kings, uh, there's going to be three of them, uh, uh, my friend, nations that will not cooperate. They will be quickly struck down. Uh, and listen, the Antichrist will put three others in their place, uh, giving him that power and authority that he needs. Uh, once he does that, if America is still living, if America is still a nation, I believe, my friend, he will look to the Western world uh, and he will see Canada Canada and you'll see America. This is territory that has been conquered and occupied. You know by who? By Europeans. Amen. Uh, listen, there's European culture. We speak a European language. We speak English. Uh, my friend, listen, it has affected our banking system. It has affected our religious system. He will look across to the Western world. Uh, and I do not know exactly what will happen to America. But I want to tell you what John Phillips said 30 years ago. He said that only one of the three things will happen to America. He said either there will be a nuclear disaster that will just about wipe America out and annihilate it or he said there could be a natural disaster maybe an earthquake, maybe a volcano maybe some kind, maybe hurricanes uh, that will do something to diminish this great country or he said there will be an economical disaster and I want to tell you friend 30 years ago, you can check it out in Philip's book on exploring the scriptures uh, 30 years ago he wrote in that book he said amongst the three he said here's what I believe will happen he said I believe that there will be an economical disaster he said I believe America now you got to remember this he wrote that book in a time when America's prosperity was at great height when the budget was balanced uh, when we were seeing great days uh, in the Reagan society, Reagan presidency he wrote that book and here's what he said he said amongst the three he said I'll tell you what I believe will happen he said I believe America will be so indebted to China that she will have no alternative but to seek someone to deliver her. Now I want you to think about that tonight. 30 years ago a man wrote in his book what is happening in 2018. Brother I'm not setting dates. You can buy the book and read it and check it out yourself. If you've got Exploring the Scriptures by John Phillips you can find it. Exploring the future, excuse me. 30 years ago, he said America will probably become so indebted to China that she'll have no alternative, that she'll seek relief from somewhere else. When you think about the stock market that has had over 400 days of success and this past week set record numbers of plunging to all-time lows. When a Congress and President 
sees no other alternative but to raise the debt ceiling one more time to another trillion dollars. You know what that's telling us, friend? Is that the stage is being set. That things that are happening are not chance and circumstance. But God's book is falling into place. Things are lining up so that the world is going to be desperate and the world is going to need a man that will have the answer. The world is going to need to find common ground to come together. It'll be at that time when that Western and that European society comes together. The Soviet Union will make one final attempt. I don't know exactly what they'll be doing. Maybe they'll be in a border war with China. Nobody knows for sure, but one thing is for sure. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, they're going to look down on Israel and that mighty bear is going to look down and they're going to desire that land and at one final throw of the dice they're going to come down and try to invade Israel and take their land but I'm going to tell you something friend Israel is going to whip them up one side and down the other God's going to put a hook in their jaw he's going to draw them back and the Soviet Union is going to collapse amen at that time the Antichrist will then turn his power to the kings of the east we're talking about India we're talking about China. We're talking about Japan. And my friend, he will pull this world together. At that point, he will no longer need those Jews. That treaty that he made with them in the beginning of the tribulation period, the Bible says he's going to tear it up. He's no longer going to have any use for them. He's going to invade their country. He's going to listen. The Bible says he's going to set up his image in the holy place and he's going to desire to be worshipped. And there's going to be a holocaust of all holocausts and there's going to be a bloodbath on the people of God like the world has never seen before. It's soon coming, isn't it? That little horn is going to rise. Do you know tonight, I want to say it's more than possible that he's living right now. We're not date setters. Can I get an amen? Amen. But we do know the times and seasons, don't we? I can tell you at this point in February that winter's just about over with. That if we can hang on just a little bit longer, Brother Laddie, in just a few short days, the grass is going to start growing and the trees are going to start budding and the birds are going to sound happier and the days are going to get longer. And they're going to get warmer. We know that in just a few days. Isn't that right? And in that springtime, we know that it is but for a season. And then we know that summer is nigh. That, my friend, warmer days are coming ahead. As sure as that's true on our earthly calendar, it is also true on God's prophetic calendar tonight. I'm telling you, God's timepiece is Israel. And what President Trump did when my friend, uh, he declared Jerusalem to be, uh, listen, the, the capital of Israel was nothing more than just getting things more ready for the rapture to take place. Amen. He's just putting the pieces in order. I'm telling you, it's not Trump running this thing. It wasn't Obama running this thing. You know what Obama and Hillary wanted? They wanted a European society in the United States. Amen. They did everything they could to get it here. You know why? Because listen, it wasn't them. I'm telling you there's forces beyond this world that's putting things together and all of it is pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not ready, friend, now is the time. Today is the day. This is the hour, friend. 
Amen. You may lay your head down tonight and get ready to be planning to go to work tomorrow, but I'm going to tell you something, friend, where you go and I go tomorrow may not be work. It may be glory, friend. The church is about to pull out. The saints of God are about to come up out of the grave, and we're going to have victory. Amen. We may not face death. Thank God we may cheat death. Amen. We may pull the stinger out of death and escape this whole world, not by the clods, but by the clouds. Hallelujah. Because the king's coming. The ancient of days is on his way. You know that phrase, ancient of days, means the everlasting one. Nothing in this world is forever. But there's one coming. Thank God he liveth forever and ever. There's one coming whose train fills the temple, the Bible says. There's one coming who sits high on a holy thrice throne. There's one, my friend, who meted out the, span, the, the heavens with a span of his hand, knows the stars by name, dug out every canyon. He knows every flower. He knows every sparrow that falls. There's one coming. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He, the kings are coming. The kings King of glory is on its way. Hallelujah. I got good news tonight for the church. Good news, my friend, for Israel tonight that when the ancient of days come, listen, he's going to destroy the Antichrist, the blasphemer of God, the one, my friend, that will mock him and blaspheme him. One of these days, thank God, he's going to put an end to him and to all that follow him. Daniel sees this vision. He sees this prophetic review. And I close tonight with Daniel's personal reaction in verse 28. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. And my countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart. You know why Daniel kept it in his heart? Two reasons tonight. It would do no good to tell a heathen king what didn't belong to him. Number two, because of the burden for his own people, Daniel didn't have the heart to tell them that there would be more captivity. You know, in life, there's captivity tonight, isn't there? Job talked about that in the book of Job. After all that he had went through in life, there's a little phrase toward the end of the book of Job where he said, Then the Lord turned my captivity. You know that's what's going to happen for the church in Israel when Jesus comes. He's going to turn our captivity, friend. And when I think about this prophetic review tonight, I think about what Daniel saw, and we're seeing it now. The only difference is we don't have to have a vision. There are no visions. Can I get a witness on that? We don't even have to open the Bible now. You can turn Fox News on. And what the world is talking about is lining up with this book tonight. I think if there's ever a time we as a church, we don't need to be lazy. I'm going to tell you, so many lazy people today in church, so many people today with no burden, full of complacency and apathy. I think sometimes as a pastor, the responsibility that we have in these last days is not only as the Holy Spirit's constantly pushing us, is to push the people of God. Get out of your comfort zone. Quit living for this world tonight. It's about to burn up. 
Young people tonight, there's nothing wrong with having plans and ambitions and you should occupy till he comes. But don't forget, he's coming. He's coming soon. Live for God. Tonight it would be my burden as a, as a pastor and as this church. I don't want to lose the power of God. And I don't want to lose sight of his coming. One of the signs of salvation, one of the marks of salvation is that those that are saved will long for and love his appearing. Amen. Now you stop and think about that tonight. Before you got saved, was you looking for Jesus to come? You sure wouldn't have been excited about it, would you? You wouldn't have been excited about it. But it thrills you tonight, don't it? It excites you. It excites you to think that Jesus could come tonight and you wouldn't have to pay a power bill tomorrow. Wouldn't that be a blessing? It excites you to think Jesus could come tonight and you wouldn't have to punch a clock tomorrow. It excites me to think that if the trumpet sounds right now tonight, that darkness is going to have to flee. The clouds are going to roll back. The graves are going to open up. There's going to be a reunion in the clouds like we have never seen. We're going to be in a glorified body. This mortal is going to put on immortality and this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. And we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. We're going to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and we're going to see John and we're going to see Matthew, Mark, and Luke and we're going to see mother and father and sister and brother. They're going to be there in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, in 11 one-hundredths of a second. We're going to be standing in the presence of our King. Well, that's exciting tonight, isn't it? The church ought to keep her fire, sure to keep her power, sure to keep her focus tonight as we stand. How are you living for God in light of Daniel's prophetic review? How's your burden tonight? Are you existing or are you pressing on? Tonight, maybe you need to get around this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, help me tonight. I don't want to lose my burden. I don't want to get cold and indifferent. I don't want to get so caught up in the things of this world that I'm no longer looking for you to come. Maybe tonight you've got a loved one, a family member, a friend you need to pray for that if Jesus comes tonight, they're going to be left behind to go through the awful tribulation. What would it hurt you tonight? You don't have to come to this altar. I'm not trying to get you to come, but I just simply want to say this. What would it hurt you to pray one more prayer for their soul tonight? You be obedient to God as Brother Brian leads us. You do what God would have you to do.